Hi, my name is Indigo. And I'm Olivia. Uh, we are from 91.3 FM WTSR, and we are here with Rob Hitt from the band Midtown. So, Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I like I like the full name. It's fun to, it's fun to hear it in the on the radio. So it's a pleasure to meet both of you. You as well. Yes. All right. So first things first, Midtown officially disbanded around 2005. Then there was the little reunion in 2014 and now we're here in 2022. What was the reasoning behind like coming back again now? Like what prompted this? Yeah, you know, it's funny because it was a number of things that all happened to have lined up uh, seemingly at the same time. So the other the other guys in the band, they all have um, a few kids, uh, two or three kids, each of them. And when we did those reunion shows in 2014, none of their children were really old enough to understand that their parents, that their father was in a band. And I think for them, it's really fun. The idea of their children being able to see them perform is really fun and never had that opportunity. So what ended up happening was uh, Tyler, uh, our guitar player, he would about two and a half years ago, uh, he started like texting us all kind of like hinting at, Hey, you know, we should uh, jam sometime. I've got a drum set in my attic. You know, he, you know, being a little, you know, funny about it, dancing around the exact issue or the, the exact question. And he would keep texting us. And, you know, one day, um, you know, Gabe lives in L.A. Uh, Heath and I live, Gabe, our singer, lives in L.A. Heath, our other guitar player, and I live uh, in the tri-state area. So Tyler was like, listen, let's just get together in Jersey City or Hoboken area and let's just jam. So I said, you know what? Fine, we'll, we'll do it. We did that on March 10th, 2020. And seven days later, everything shut down for the pandemic, ironically. At the same time, My Chemical Romance had a tour planned, I believe, and they also had to postpone their tour dates. So fast forward about a year and a half, Tyler's starting to reach out again as some of the lockdowns are being removed a little bit. And Tyler is texting with Mikey, the bass player from My Chemical Romance. And he mentioned like something like, hey, we might do a show again. By the way, we didn't even really talk about this too much as a band that we would ever even potentially do a show, but he said it to Mikey. <laughs> so a few weeks, yeah, exactly. A few weeks later in LA and sees Mikey, somebody else, Mikey sees somebody else from our band and Mikey goes to Gabe, doing a show. And Gabe's like, what are you talking about? Like, like who told you that? Because it was just so spoken about and <laughs> at that point uh at that point um kind of was this interesting thing where ours ended up beginning to align and we were thinking about doing you know a proper show in new jersey headlining and the chem was uh makeup dates for those postponed dates 
and they were bringing out, you know, either bands they liked or friends of theirs uh, on tour for these, these these second rounds of shows they were doing. Sorry, I was just closing the door to the drum room. And it ended up that uh, they offered us a bunch of tour dates. So when we were thinking about doing shows and my chemical romance uh, asked you to do some dates, you can't really say no. So I hadn't played drums in eight years and I was freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, I haven't played in so long. Like, will I even be able to like hold the drumstick again? And uh, so my friend Gunner uh, has a drum space uh, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. So I've been able to rehearse here once a week and uh, I'll get together with Ethan Tyler, our guitar players from time to time. Uh, and then when Gabe comes and visits uh, the East Coast, we'll get together with him as well. So, but it's been a blast. Um, and yeah, it's kind of wild how it all happened. It's it's actually kind of funny because the timing of it is, is awesome because there was, there was, yeah, the emo night thing was starting to get big and, and like becoming this, this thing. But it seemed like when We Were Young Festival announced, we're not on we, uh, that festival, but when it announced, it seemed like the whole world just went emo. And then like three, two, three months later, all of a sudden, Machine Gun Kelly's writing an emo album. Apparently, Avril Lavigne is an emo artist now, I guess, or something. It's, TikTok appears to tell us all of that, uh, it seems like. So, but uh, it's just... It just seems like there's such a revival right now that uh, the 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 timing's been really fun and it, it, you know I've I've really enjoyed it and it's been fun to find some old photos and posters and things like that and be able to uh, post them on the the Midtown socials and things like that. So uh, yeah, it's been a blast. Yeah, that sounds yeah. fun. I know personally, whenever I. And whenever I'm hosting a show for our station, I like go out of my way to play the Midtown bumper from like the early 2000s. It's just, it's fun. Yeah, I know on my last I, show. I sent that to the guys and they loved it because it was from <laughs> so long ago. Like, what is this? How is this possible? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny in our computer system, it was like listed differently because it was so old. So it had like a file number and then Midtown after it. So people didn't really realize that it was Midtown the band great um we used to play so even before midtown i had a little high school band called the royalties and we played it was called i don't even know if it still exists it was called the rat skeller and it was called trenton state at the time and i had played that little rat skeller so many times uh when i was younger with all kinds of new brunswick bands and there's a lot of ska bands that played there back in the day. Ska was a thing in the 90s, and it was pretty big. It was pretty silly. Lots of horns. Yeah, we had rat shows up to 2015 when they shut it down, so it's not there anymore. Uh, on the topic of, like, ska being big in the 90s when you were, like, getting into making music, um, what would you say, like, some of your musical influences are, and, like, how have they maybe, like, changed since you got started in music? So, you know, when I was really young, music, what really, like, started to change me, kid, kid, um, 
was was a little bit anything to do with my drumming just just to where i sort of developed was a lot of those popular metal bands like brew and guns and roses but pretty quickly because it was so popular i was really interested like fairly the the jocks or the popular kids in school were into right so there was this tv show on MTV called 120 Minutes. It was hosted by Matt Pinfield. And they played music that wasn't necessarily like the typical pop music. They called it alternative music. And you could hear bands from the UK. You could even hear more interesting hip-hop bands or hip-hop bands that were jazz-influenced. And from time to time, they'd even play uh, some pop punk emo bands like they victory records and epitaph records um videos on this mtv show that was on sunday nights from midnight until 2 a.m and you could go and you could you could see rancid you could see the offspring before the offspring broke green day before green day broke on this television station but they also had a ton of other uh, other bands as well and I should rewind even before that that channel, what they really played first was a lot of grunge. After the, the alternative was a thing, the grunge music, they'd play all sorts of Screaming Trees, Nirvana, um, Pearl Jam, all sorts of uh, Temple of the Dog, uh, all the, like, the Seattle grunge stuff. And yeah. grunge got massive, right? Man, it just felt like your baby was gone. Most well, special to you. And now everybody else has it. And it was around 1992, 93. Somebody in, in high school gave me a tape that had uh, the band The Descendants on one side and Rancid on the other. Another friend gave me a cassette that had a band called Jawbreaker on one side and Operation Ivy on the other. And once I heard that, and once I heard the pace and the excitement, um, it really just changed me, and I and I and I like knew exactly where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do at that point. So it was those kind of bands that really set everything off for me, especially bands like No Effects and Face to Face. And I would go to so it was this thing where you could go to these shows for these bands from California, but nobody knew them. That very insulated scene. And I'm sure you have your local bands you feel similar about where they're super meaningful to you and they're not on the radio. They might not be hitting the algorithm on TikTok. They're your special bands, but it's your community that it's really, really important for. So that was me. I would go to the shows and I would see the bands on stage. And I said to myself, that's what I want to do. That's, that's, what I want to be and because I knew it was something special people who truly cared beyond that it was personal to, to people in their lives and that's you know what punk music always felt to me and I think when I say punk I mean punk hardcore emo pop punk whatever it's ska like that scene and even though the music is so diverse it really embodies a, a, a collective group of people that aren't you know, 
that aren't Imagine Dragons, and I'm not saying anything negative about Imagine Dragons, but I think you, you get where I'm, I'm coming at. Um, so it was that scene and that music that, that really what Midtown loved. We loved listening to No Effects and Lagwagon. Gabe, Gabe, a little differently, not as punk, but loved Super Chunk, and we were all big fans of the Pixies. We, uh, we have this song called Become What You Hate, and we used to um, play Where's My Mind, which is a Pixie song in the middle of the song because it kind of fit perfectly and was really fun. So we have a ton of different influences uh, over the years. I mean, listen, right now, a lot of podcasts probably, but uh, I love bands like Twin Shadow, St. Vincent, Heim, uh, Jenny Lewis is awesome. So a lot of indie stuff. It's interesting. Music is in an interesting time because it seems like where do the niches come from? You 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 know, uh, at one point Billie Eilish might have been very small and personal to somebody, and then all of a sudden it's the biggest pop star in the world. It's almost confusing, right? Like, um, uh, Bridgers, uh, Phoebe Bridgers, is that right? Yeah. So Phoebe Bridgers was like a special small personal thing at one point, I'm sure to a lot of people. And now it kind of feels like Phoebe Bridgers is the biggest artist in the world to, you know, at least jumped out of the scene and became something kind of mainstream. So it's, it's weird to see it sometimes. And I do wonder what bands are indie and punk and what are kind of like going through a different funnel that we just, we missed and didn't see. But yeah, I could talk forever about this stuff. I'll let you ask more questions. <laughs> Okay, I had a question. Uh, you were talking about how you started getting into all these punk bands. Were you already a drummer before that, or did they inspire you to pick up drumsticks and start drumming? So I was definitely not a drummer. Ironically, when I was, this is a funny story, when I was in third grade, literally third grade, after the last day of school, you fill out this paper and you list the three instruments that you want to play the next year. And the reason you fill out three is because they can only have so many people in each class in elementary school, apparently. I should have yelled at my mom to yell at the teachers. But uh, so my first choice was drums. My second choice was saxophone. My third choice was trombone, just because I'm like, I mean, I don't want to play the flute or the clarinet with no disrespect to the flute or the clarinet. So I'm like, what else do I put other than drums and then saxophone? They didn't have guitar. They didn't have bass. It wasn't like that. So I chose uh, drum, So I chose drums first because that's really the only one I wanted to do. And what did I get? I got the third choice. Now, I'm only 5'7". So in fourth grade, the year after, if you could imagine me and a trombone, the thing's like basically bigger than me. How embarrassing was it to take a trombone on the school bus every day and, you know, have to go home with it and just like, I'm not hating on the trombone, but it wasn't my choice. So I kind of quit the trombone and I was bummed. And then I, I got, and, and then I started getting into punk music in, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And I went to see, you know, I'd go see my friends' bands play. I'd go see, you know, all those bands like No Effects and, and whatnot that I was mentioning to you. And I said, this is what I want to do. And I had always put everything off because I knew in like fourth or fifth grade, I'm like, I could still play drums, could still play drums. 
And when I got to eighth grade, I'm like, every year I say the same thing. I should have skateboarded last year. I should have played soccer last year. I should have played drums last year. So eighth grade, I said, screw it. I'm going to play skateboarding and soccer. And I'm going to start it all right now. And I did. And that's how I really got into drums. And I, you know, the truth is I, I wouldn't have played drums if I didn't get into punk music. But because I went and I'd, I'd go to this venue, not too far. Uh, it, it actually, oh my God, legendary Trenton venue. Google the flyers and look at the bands that played. 500 capacity venue called City Gardens. City Gardens, Trenton, New Jersey. Look at the flyers. Only 500 capacity, which is probably only a little more than the Rat Skeller, just saying. Blondie, A Tribe Called Quest, Green Day, Offspring, every legendary hardcore band, Inside Out, Burn, H2O, just, uh, it goes on and on, the bands that play this venue, because it was the only real stop at the moment of the, the late 80s, mid-90s, between Philly and New York City. So bands would 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 stop here and it was just the best the ramones would play there just absolutely fantastic. i never got to see the ramones there but um i should have because they did they were on flyers around the time that i uh i was going there but that venue was so special to me uh and ironically it was like the one place i always dreamed of playing but uh it was shut down before um midtown really or around the time midtown started so i never got the opportunity to but city gardens was a really special place in Trenton, New Jersey. And I know it's special to a lot of people. Okay. Definitely some fun history going on. Yeah, I think we actually, we used to host shows at City Gardens, I think like back in the 80s. I, that sounds right. <laughs> like it. You, you have all the College of New Jersey WTSR history. Good. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. Um, on this upcoming tour and like the upcoming reunion shows, are there any like places in particular you are like extra excited to come back to or maybe play in general? Yeah, I think I think the the the, the super special one, the chem shows, is going to be Sayreville, New Jersey, at Starland Ballroom. We're doing two shows. December 2nd and 3rd, they're both sold out. And I, I really feel that that's gonna, oh, oh hold on, we have a, uh, we have a guest. Listen here, hold on, let me, let me even turn on the video. Hi Gunner, I'm doing a music, I'm doing an interview for uh, the College of New Jersey, WTSS, say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is Bruce Springsteen's drummer right here. Yeah. This is very true, right? You don't, do you play live? Wow. He, he needs this drum right here. See, like you, you didn't even know what you were gonna get. Speak to you, Jersey <laughs> College Radio Station. Oh, that's the exit. Oh, Gunner was also in a punk band called The Exit uh, when he was younger. That used to play with Midtown, ironically, in the late '90s, early 2000s. So, cool. What was your question? I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's all right. Um, I was asking if there are any places in particular that you were excited to play? Oh yeah, so Sayreville at Starland Ballroom for sure was, uh, it's gonna be special. It'll be, uh, hold on. Oh, you can hear me, sorry. 
Yeah. These are like live special things. You can't, you, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't time getting Bruce Springsteen's drummer in the uh, rehearsal spot. Yeah, but uh, are are either of you going to the the Fairville show at Starland? I tried so hard to get tickets, but I couldn't get them fast enough. Yeah. You know what that means? Long Island. I'm sorry, you cut out a little yeah. bit there. The funny thing is, you could be making a joke saying that I cut out. I said road trip to Long Island. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Good point, though, honestly. <laughs> I like it. But uh, we're also playing um, Prudential Center with my cam, which is going to mm. be out of control, which actually will be interesting because it is in New Jersey. And I do wonder if there will be some people that might know some some lyrics, that, even if it's 5%. That's, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm going to my chem show in Philly, not in New Jersey, so. <laughs> ah, South Jersey. Look at y'all. Okay, so besides, like, places to play on your new tour, is there anything besides, like, I guess, venue that you're, like, really excited about getting back together? Actually, at this point, I'm looking forward to uh, rehearsing with Gabe. We haven't rehearsed as all four band members yet, so that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be interesting just... We all have full-time jobs. The idea of for one week or eight days with your or nine days with your bandmates, that'll be that'll be interesting to to feel that again because really we haven't done that since 2005. And I know Gabe was in Cobra Starship and did that for a little bit, but with the other guys and and, and all of us, it's been a long time since we've just gotten away from everything and actually, you know been able to kind of just like duck out of reality for a minute so it'll be kind of nice to you know play prudential center head down to play furnace fest do a show in florida and then two shows in texas uh and just be the the group of us with our crew i think that'll it'll be nice to just have those feelings again of what it was like and one last hurrah to really uh feel like you're on tour um now, just out of curiosity, in the past for Midtown, did the band have any fun little like pre-show rituals or traditions that you're looking to maybe bring back this time around? We didn't have pre-show rituals, so to speak. But I think if there's anything throughout pretty much the existence of Midtown that we all will remember before the shows, Gabe would always sing Saves the Day to warm up. And he'd always play this one bass line from this band called Whippersnapper. Uh, if you go onto our Instagram and there's a post where uh, a bunch of people like Anthony from Bayside and the early November are talking about Midtown, you'll hear bass in the background. That bass is actually Gabe playing, I think the band's Whippersnapper, um, playing the bass line from Whippersnapper, and that's actually from a pre-show warm-up. So it's ironic you're saying that, and then we have one of our, um, uh, we, we literally have that on our on our Instagram right now. It's like, it's like this, I think it's like the sixth, the, 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 the fifth, um, fifth or sixth post down, or maybe it's like the eighth post down, whatever. 
So yeah, that's uh, that's pre-show rituals. I wish I wish I had a more fun answer for that. <laughs> totally okay. That's a fun answer in its own right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So um, like you mentioned before our interview started though, you went to Rutgers. Um and from my understanding, the band like started out as Rutgers at Rutgers. Uh, what is one piece of advice you would give to aspiring musicians or college students? Um, college students in general or musicians that happen to be in college at the time? Like musicians that happen to be college students right now. Yeah, I, I think, so I have a little record label called I Surrender Records. And I actually talk about, I talk to the artists um, about this as well. I don't think especially when starting out, should say, okay, we have to go play Irving Plaza or Prudential Center or whatever big, big venue it is. More important when you're starting out, play the basements, play the garages, play the backyards, play the house shows, because there's still people to this day with from those times because it's so personal, you make such real personal, honest relationships that it will carry over with you for years and years to come. And those people are gonna wanna bring their friends to the shows next time because you're all like having a great time hanging out. And I think as a band when starting out, you shouldn't undervalue how important those sorts of shows are. And I'm not saying Midtown purposely did those shows, we did those shows because we wanted to have fun with our friends. And I think it was important to play, you know, any show you can when you're young, especially when you're a new artist and you don't have a lot of fans. I think a lot of day, or I should say new bands today, assume that everything is on social media and TikTok and that's how you're gonna break. and the truth is it all matters important to not undervalue the importance of actually performing live and making a point when we were in college we were literally three shows every week whether it was a basement in new brunswick and then we drive down to south jersey play a show and then on the Sunday, we might play Baltimore or D.C. or Maryland and then drive back up. And then the next weekend, we would try to do that in Boston, in upstate New York, in Long Island. We'd, we'd do the same thing. and We'd repeat it. And the way we would do it is we would reach out to bands we liked that were local and not massive in those cities as well. And like, say, let's trade shows. We'll do a show in New Jersey. We come up and do a show in Boston or you had a friend that you knew in high school that was in college uh, in a different school. And that's, that was what we did. And we worked really hard doing that. And I think it's really important for bands to do that now that, that you can have your, your brother, sister band. There's nothing wrong with that. And you should in different cities, because really what punk rock is, it's a community and you're building it all together. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Uh, do you want 
Okay. Um, so just in a few days from now, it's going to be the 20th anniversary of Living Well is the Best Revenge, Midtown's second album. Is very cool. I need this content. I need to put up some content for this now. <laughs> I'm glad that you told me. Wait, yeah. tell me more right yeah. now. On, on the 16th, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, on, the, on April 16th. It's going to be the 20th anniversary. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> we got to do something. Wait, um, Otto, let me Google this. Wikipedia. See, I should know this because I'm <laughs> Wikipedia, Midtown, um, Living Well is the book. Oh, and Otto fills out Best Revenge release date. Okay, let's see what happens here. April 16th, 2020 years. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay. I owe you, I owe you all uh, a beer. Or or a, or a or a seltzer. I'm a big seltzer fan. Thank you for that. Yes. So your question, and uh, in a few days is the 20th anniversary of Living Well is the Best Revenge. Wow. So to go off of that, um, how does it feel being part of a project that has been able to span over two decades at this point? It feels old. <laughs> Uh, it's wild. You know, we actually haven't been a band that entire time, or at least playing shows. So still feels kind of fresh and young. And this, it's funny, when you take that much time off, uh, it feels exciting and new again. It definitely feels exciting and new again. I'm sure I'll get nervous when I get to uh, closer to playing uh, in the damn arena, but, you know, uh, it's pretty good right now. Feels great. Very nice. Uh, yeah, so going off of what you said earlier, uh, you own your own record label. Do you want to tell us a little about that? Yeah, so uh, when I was in high school, I always wanted to start a record label. And I had no money. Uh, I didn't really have resources. Uh, I didn't know booking agents, wasn't in a band to take out fans on tour or anything like that. And I figured if I was going to start it, I had to figure I needed something more to be able to offer an artist. So in 2003, my friend sent me a band. I loved it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the perfect time. I can pay to press CDs. There was a thing called CDs people used to uh, used to listen to music on. And so I could pay to press the artist's CD and I could try to put them on some Midtown shows. And it was really great. It was really fun. So that's how I started the label. In 03. And then in 2005, when Midtown broke up, ironically, I had signed this band called Valencia, and it was time for their um, first uh, full, full length album. So they had, they had never had a real release before. And before that, I, I had only done EPs. So it was like a big deal. And, you know, Midtown wasn't a band. So just by happenstance, I was able to put, um, like, basically work full time on the label just by default. And Valencia started to grow. They're a band from Philly. They're awesome people, awesome humans. They became great best friends over the years, um, which is another reason music is so special, because you can you can work in music or play in music, and then you you you're, you build friends over the years. So uh, after that, find four years strong, and and always you know always had other jobs, 
whether it was managing bands or now coding computers, but I've always had the little record label on the side. I surrender records. Uh, and actually there's a band from New Jersey called Pollyanna who you should have on your show. They could come down to the studio uh, physically on the show. Uh, they're absolutely amazing human beings. Uh, ironically, before Mattel was doing any shows, I said, so my sister lived in Westfield, New Jersey. And for 15 years, I had stored all my old stuff in her attic because I live in Brooklyn, so I have no space for anything. So I had a bunch of old Midtown drums in the attic, and uh, I didn't want to throw them away because I didn't know what to do with them. So I said to Dan, the drummer of Pollyanna, I go, listen, I'm going to give you my drums or lend you my drums or whatever. You could have them from my sister's attic. And the only thing in, in, in return is you, if Midtown ever does a show again, you have to be the drum tech. And I said it as a joke to him, or at least so he would think it was a joke. But little does he know, shortly after, um, Dan from Pollyanna, if you're out there listening, um, I hope you're a good drum tech and can tune my drums and uh, make sure everything's set up well. So, because we had an agreement that we shook on. So, and you have my old drums. Does, does he know this yet? <laughs> oh, he knows. Oh, yeah. Okay. He knows. <clears throat> If they're excited i think the funny thing about the label is i don't even think the artists on, on the label even knew or cared much about midtown which is because listen we broke up in 05 and if you're 20 years old how are you really going to know midtown i mean if you do know midtown that's amazing and thank you and i hope we get to see you at a show but yeah okay all right so we think that is it on questions. Do you have any more parting words for us? What are y'all majoring in? Oh, uh, so mine's kind of long. I'm majoring in history with a specialization in gender. Wow. I yeah. feel like there's a lot that there wasn't even in 2010 that you could focus your career on, which is oh, really yeah. great. Yeah, and then I'm majoring in applied math with a minor in deaf studies. So you'll be hiring me one day. <laughs> uh, I don't know, I wanna go into music though, something in the music business. So even though I'm a math major. Yeah. Well, listen, if all else fails for anybody listening, give your hand a shot at music. And you can always go back to a coding boot camp like I did, and you can do computer stuff, which is really fun too. Said nobody ever except for me. I get it. I, I like coding. I like math coding at least. So <laughs> I understand. What do you? Uh, what languages do you use for math coding? Uh, R, Python. Uh, right now, I actually use MATLAB, which is kind of like a workspace that and makes sense. Nice. That's great. No, it'll be very helpful. The funny thing about college i know old man talking um is that you would be surprised a lot of the little things that you pick up along the way you'll end up using 10 20 years later all the little google docs excel pivot tables all the silly stuff little coding things computer stuff it really does you, you do find find ways they, they circle back to you and then you become a history major and then you're like 
this is insane that these friggin' Republicans, it's like history doesn't didn't exist and they're just trying to erase it. I'm sorry. We'll stop right there. <laughs> but yeah, being a history major must be even more frustrating once you learn the truth and then people try to twist the truth. Like I said, we could talk forever. But it's a great oh, yeah. interview. It was great meeting both of you. <laughs> Wonderful to meet you as well. Yes.